0: Okay, cool <laughs> okay, so three two, one, welcome, Gina Marie. um very special guest. I am I have no words for how excited I am to have like excited to have you on because I know I can't even say my words <laughs> because um you are you give a lot of insight and perspective, and let's hear it.
1: Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Gina Marie. I am currently a police officer um, in Westchester County. Um, However, prior to becoming a police officer, I had an entire other career. So prior to becoming a police officer, I was a social worker. Um, I got my second master's, which is my master's in social work in 2010. Um, My first master's in 2008 in forensic psychology. I'd always had an interest in the criminal justice field um took the NYPD test when I was 18, but then decided I want to go to college. I want to do, you know, the book stuff. Um, when I got my master's in 2008, New York State had changed licensing laws. And so I couldn't practice as a master's level psychologist. I needed a PhD. And at that point, I could not fathom going back to school for five more years. So I looked into what I could do quickly So I got into an accelerated master's program at NYU for social work. Um, I did the clinical track there. And then I practiced as a clinician for a decade in inpatient um, hospitals, residential treatment facilities and outpatient work. And then um, my brother really wanted to be a police officer but he got super anxious taking tests. So I said, okay, I'll take the test with you. Um, We took the county uh, test and I got a 95 on the written. And absolutely, I was a director at that point at the agency I was working at, but absolutely hated going to work. Cried on the way home, like just didn't like where I was at. So with the score that I got in the police test at 34 (laughs) years old, I literally crossed my fingers, held my breath and was like, I'm gonna do this and just hope that this is the right decision. So I did it. It was the best decision I've ever made. Um, The guys that I work with are the most amazing human beings I've ever met. And they have unknowingly just confirmed for me that I have done the right thing. So um, with that, I have co-founded a company called Wellness for Warriors. It is a holistic approach to wellness for first responders. So that means paramedics, firefighters, EMTs, uh, police officers, anyone in the first responder community. Um, my partner and I, I provide um, peer support. We also provide support for spouses and children. I did our first kids group a month ago. We had 40 kids of first responders because no one realizes how much <coughs> this you know, what's going on in the world affects the kids and how much they're afraid to say to their parents. So we did four groups. They were absolutely amazing. It was honestly the best thing I've ever done. Um, I also provide nutrition coaching and fitness coaching to first responders. And then my partner has a master's in uh, mindfulness and yoga. She's a yoga instructor and has two yoga studios. She provides sleep help, meditation, mindfulness, and yoga. So we kind of tag team first responders who come to us for help because we know that if you um if you attack just the mental health piece but they're eating like crap and their home life is crap and they're not sleeping doing one piece but not the rest is never going to get them to a life worth living and that's our ultimate goal
0: wow that's incredible it's um it's so needed is this something that how how so the kids aspect is new, but what about the adult and like is that relatively? So uh,
1: Megan and I had actually worked together for a diff- for a nonprofit. We're an LLC, so that we like people know that there's no donating. Everything is for free. We didn't want to have the nonprofit title because we didn't want anyone to feel like they'd ever have to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had worked for a nonprofit together before this um, because this is the work we wanted to do. That nonprofit ended up being more about like the glitz and glamour mm. and Instagram likes and things like that. And the two of us without speaking to each other left that not that agency the same time, but kept in contact and decided like, Hey, we still need to do this, so let's just do it. And this has been we've been doing this for about eight months. Oh wow. So yeah, like super new. Yeah. But um, we're actually picking up a lot of traction lately.
0: I can imagine, especially with what's happening in the world and people do need, I mean, I've had a few therapists on here, on the ep- on the podcast, and the mentality that therapy is, you know, for pussies and weak, it's like such an old mentality, it seems like, where now, modern day, 2021, you know, people see it as a privilege and it's amazing that it's finally viewed in that light because it is important to talk about it It is important to get it out it is important whatever your release is it's very important
1: well and see so like in the general population therapy is seen as okay it's normalized for the first responder community isn't yet oh so so like in my department I just created our mental health policy last year We didn't have one. That's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So we have, you go to the academy and you have three weeks of instruction in elder abuse. You have a week, a full week on how to respond to people with mental illnesses. And you have like a couple days of like, hey, if you need something, this is what's here. And you're constantly told that this is the shit you're going to see, but you're not told and this is how you're going to feel. This is okay, but you need to talk about it. And this is where you can go for that. So our ultimate goal is to get into academies and departments Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to teach them from the ground up. So when someone does experience something that's not a normal experience, like our normal, like human psyche is not supposed to deal with what we see every day. Mm -hmm. And we do, and we're just expected to just keep moving. And after 20 years of that, like we have guys having heart attacks a day after they retire.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's scary because, you know, with as with video games and you know the graphics and the movies and all the stuff that's out now it's like i think that people do become desensitized but when you see it firsthand i'm sure that it's and even if you say they do become desensitized to seeing whatever activities they are seeing how do then they face normal life like when they're not on well yeah and
1: i think that. A big part of like what's going on now in our world is that a lot of people just don't see us as human beings anymore. So it's assumed that, and I can only guess because that I don't know for sure, but one of the people I go to the gym with approached me recently um, and just said, Hey, I watched this documentary about kids who are abused. And, and I just want to thank you for things that you guys do. It's like, I never thought about it before. Yeah. Um, and if you were to look at the two of us and just like where we come from, what we do, for a living, you know, where our families live, things like that, you would, you would assume that we were on polar opposite sides of whatever political spectrum you can come up with. Um, but we work out together every day, which Mm is one of the great things about CrossFit. But she did say like, I never thought about it before. It doesn't occur to people that like we leave work and we come home to families. Yeah. We come home to people who emotionally need us and we're not superhuman. We have feelings and yes, you somewhat become desensitized, but it never you're never unaffected by things right Like going to calls with dead babies or rape victims. like that doesn't ever really get easier. Yes, you learn how to compartmentalize things, but that's only so that you can keep moving. When you go home, that's where we see like substance abuse and mental illness Mm -hmm. and suicide. I mean, I just think that what we're doing for Wellness for Warriors kind of takes that political piece out and just allows people to come to us totally confidentially. Um, My team of peer supporters, I literally like triage the cases that come into us to make sure that they're not suicidal or needing more than we can provide. Mm -hmm. Then I assign them to a peer supporter and unless they need help or have a question, I don't even know what they talk about. So it's literally like having a conversation with your friend knowing that what you talk about will never leave that space.
0: Right. And what is that? You have a social media for that website. What do you have so I can include the links and stuff? So
1: our Instagram page is wellness underscore the number four Mm -hmm. underscore warriors okay and then our website is wellness for warriors all spelled out dot live okay um and on our website you can request help and there's literally check boxes so if you just want sleep help or nutrition coaching you can check the boxes whatever you want um the emails get sent to our administrator who kind of sorts them out and then decides whether it's Megan's piece or mine, or if it's both of ours, then we kind of both tag team the person and Mm -hmm. we contact them usually within like 24 48 hours. The longest.
0: So going back to your point of, you know, you are people, obviously. I am one of those crazy people who I walk on the street. I live in New York city. So I walk on the street, there's cops all over. And I very frequently have my dog and my kid and the stroller with me. And I say to the cop, hey, like, thank you. Thank you for what you do. And, you know, and the men are always, like, cordial and nice and, oh, you know, responsive back. And it's interesting because the other day there were a few women. um, There were two women, and they didn't have any men with them. And it was their response was like they were used to people talking crap to them. Because when I said, hey, excuse me, they, like, looked at me like, What do you have to say? Because I think that it's, and then I said, thank you. And they didn't, they were like shocked by it, I think. So I think that it is an interesting thing because if there was a little bit more niceness going around on both sides, right? On the cop, the officer side, but also, especially the people side, because think about it, the normal people, like where there's a lot more of us than them. So, and it doesn't, I think that it goes back to that very simple thing of, it doesn't cost anything to smile at someone. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't do, it's not out of your way. Nothing happens. If anything, it might put you in a better mood because you know, you just gave them something that they didn't expect or something good.
1: It's interesting you say that because it was probably, um, I'm going to say it was like maybe three weeks ago Um, while I was working, there was a car that was pulled over. So I stopped to check on them. Um, and as, and I don't ride with a partner, so I'm solo all the time. Um,
0: is that an always thing or is that a new thing? I feel like I, yeah,
1: no, no, no. So where I work, we're always on our own, um, in bigger cities and things. You're usually with partners. Um, but yeah, so I'm whenever I'm on the road up and by myself. Um, so they had the hazards on, I pulled up. it was dark out. I think it might've been like 10 30 at night. Um, and I literally, I was just like, hey, guys, like, are you having car trouble? Um, had a very cordial interaction, um, waited till I got a tow because they were in, like, a really kind of crappy spot. So I used my patrol car to kind of block their car in case, God forbid, a car comes mm-hmm. around the corner or whatever. Um, so came, I said goodbye to them, and they were like, you know, you're a really nice lady cop. And then I'd had this conversation with a male cop, and they were like, well, yeah, so the cops are just kind of bitches. And I was like, why? Like, I don't understand. And I think that a lot of that just has to do with who you are as a person. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of situation I'm in. Even I think, even if I think this might be a dangerous situation for me, if it ends up being that, if I try to kill you with kindness first and then you're so abrupt to me, then I know what the deal is. If I'm a jerk from, you know, the get, then maybe you're not, you know, trying to be violent towards me, but you're going to be abrupt back to me if I'm abrasive. So, and like you said, like, what does it take to get someone on their way with a smile? Like, I just don't, like, that's just how I interact with people, whether I know you or not Mm -hmm. and polite and respectful, but that's just how I go about my day on duty or off. And that's, I guess, again, being human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, I mean, your point is so valid in people are forgetting that you guys are human. And it's so easy to categorize, oh, well, they're all bad. Like, yep. you know, however else you wanna compare it to whatever else in life, but the reality is, is and it, I wanted to ask you about um, mandatory requirements once you pass, because I know there's a physical exam, there's a the, te- the written test that you take, How does it work, or is it different according to where you are? Um, Once you take your written test, you take your first physical test, then what?
1: So to get on, you have to pass, it's called the Cooper exam. Um, As athletes and people who are physically fit, it's a joke, to be quite honest. Um, With a layperson who's not like a CrossFit athlete, who doesn't work out consistently, it might be a little bit difficult. It's a mile and a half run, and then based on your age, it's a certain number of sit-ups and push-ups. It's an antiquated standard, which I think that there are a lot of people in our profession that are trying to change that. Um, But you take it, and you have to meet a certain standard. I want to say it's like 80 percentile just to get on. And then once you're in the academy to graduate, you have to be at the 90th percentile. which is good, but then once you're off, unless you join like a SWAT team or emergency services or something like that, you're not retested. So, and there are studies out there. Um, I can find you the link for it later on, but um, where perpetrators and offenders have attacked police officers or not, and then the ones who have attacked police officers, they were asked, "Why did you do it? Or what made you think you could, you know, you should do that?" And more often than not, their response is that they looked at the cop and, like, sized him up physically or her and said, I can definitely take him be out of shape. I mean, I can, run; he can't catch me because he's fat. And you see the pictures of, like, the overweight mm-hmm. cop because you're not tested more than that one time when you get on.
0: So you before you retire it's 20 years right so you become an officer
1: yeah 20 or 25 depending on where you are
0: okay and all 20 25 years one test that's it
1: Mm -hmm. unless yeah again unless you're on a SWAT team or emergency services
0: and what about like driving courses shooting courses um self-defense
1: Um, So, depending on your department, the bigger departments I think have more resources, so their firearms qualifications are probably more frequently, I know that most at minimum, your firearms qualifications are twice a year, Um, if you fail your qualification, you get remediation, things like that, because obviously that's super important. defensive tactics again the bigger departments do more of that smaller departments do not they just don't have the resources for it so you go to the academy and most of us who care enough will do like i have a black belt in martial arts i want to get back into jujitsu we do things to train because and i think this is more true more so true about our younger generations Mm -hmm. and the younger cops that are on now we never want to be in a situation where I'm called to save you and because of my physical condition, I can't do my job. Like I would never be able to live with myself or I couldn't get myself out of somewhere physically because of my inability to defend myself or to climb out of a hole or pull myself up onto a building, whatever it is, I'd never want to be in that situation. But I think that that's as it stands right now is kind of on the individual officer to be able to do it, to train, to make sure they're fit. And we have a ton of cops who just don't care.
0: It's so sad to think. Like, and I know that, I mean, it's a, it's as simple as that very, very simple phrase you say. You get what you pay for. So I think that it's, we're getting what we pay for. Like, you, I I think you guys are probably very underpaid. So people come in, they do the bare minimum, and then that's it. Like, clearly, you are... You are an overachiever, so you know you had your degree, you practiced you did all the things, and then you were like, you know what? I want. I am. I have a bigger purpose. So this is why you're doing what you're doing, and that's exactly why you won't get stuck in a crappy situation and not be able to get yourself out of it. Essentially, and it's really scary to think that these are the people that are supposed to be protecting us.
1: Well, right, and well, to be honest, like I honestly think that so the younger generation, the ones that are coming up now are so much more fitness and health oriented and educated yeah. that once this like last group of higher-ups ends up retiring, I think that we're going to be in a totally different situation as far as mental health and physical health. Mm-hmm. And as a female, I, so I feel like this comes a lot just from my upbringing, and I actually had this conversation uh, with one of my friends recently. When you think about having kids – And you think about raising kids and you're just kind of like, well, how did our parents get us to think in a certain way? Mm -hmm. I can never remember a time where there was something I wanted to do that I ever thought to myself, I can't do that. Like how did my mom raise me? Right? So, and when I did martial arts when I was younger, there were no girls doing it. So I fought boys. All of our tournaments, it was always boys, but there was never a minute. Or a second where I thought oh my god this is a boy I can't do this I'm gonna lose not one time when I went to school there was never a time where I thought well I'm not gonna make it I'm not gonna get that job and if I didn't get the job all right so what are we doing next like what's your next plan hmm so to be and I'm five foot three <laughs> like if there's a <laughs> if there's a six foot four guy and that's my call and I'm and I'm showing up on myself if I am in the furthest north point of our jurisdiction, the next guy coming to back me up can take 12 minutes. If there is a six foot four guy, that's crazy. and we're rolling, yeah, so I, but that's, you know, the reality of it. Mm-hmm. I never want to think that, like, I didn't survive because of something I wasn't doing. Nor do I want to show up, to call someone to back up, and be unable to help. Like, what good are you? totally but that's I think but I think that's in every profession like who you are as a person is who you'll always be no matter what you do so yeah. I, that's yeah. just like and as, and as a woman too like you don't ever want to be that girl that like rolls up to a call and they're like oh she's here again or like she's useless because those women exist in all professions but in police work it's worse because if they're your backup you're like oh great so I'm gonna do this on my own I don't ever want to be that person.
0: Yeah, it's really, um, I feel like as a woman, as a mom who has a daughter now, I think the same thing. I think, because I wrestled in high school. I did judo for a long time. Like my sport growing up, you know how most Americans grow up with like football or like I grew up with fighting. Mm -hmm. Like my dad, my brother, like that was my thing. And it still is. So I totally appreciate it. I totally get it. And I, I, it's funny because I also, I wrestled and I never thought, oh my God, it's a boy. Like I, there weren't girls. Like it was me. There happened to be one other girl, but we always wrestled boys. So I think that it's a really interesting thing now with, and this may or may not be something that you're interested in talking about and, or even know about, or, you know, so deep into is the trans movement which is do what you want to do, be who you want to be. But female men and women are different, period. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, period. you're 5'3". Yes, I'm 5'3". Yes, we're small women. And we will do what we have to do. But if we're competing, it should be fairgrounds.
1: I agree.
0: That's a whole different thing. But, <laughs> but I do wonder where that mentality came from of, never questioning yourself like when I had my kid a girl right. reached out to me from my old box and she was like you're gonna be great and I I laughed because I I thought I thought to myself I know like I don't even I'm not even gonna question it
1: <laughs> I don't need you to tell me that <laughs> yeah and it
0: was and I felt like kind of an asshole like when I read the message but and then I'm like well no that's really nice if like I just said thanks back but there is something whether it's sports or I don't know. And I really wonder where it comes from and how we can instill it because, or teach it or, you know, pass it along because I do think that it's really important for a woman to empower women because
1: yeah.
0: with all that's happening, women, it seems like women are the ones who are getting the shit into the stick, like aside from all the other things, but I don't know. It's a really interesting thing. So I'm, it's funny that you say that.
1: Well, yeah, and I've, and I've talked to my mom about it. And I was like, mom, like, how did you, did you think about that? She's like, no. Like, and she, I'm from a very old school Italian family. So my mom did everything. She worked, she raised three kids. My dad was around, but like, my dad wasn't the sole, you know, like, he wasn't the nurturer. He wasn't the one around the He had a role. He she had world. a different yeah.
0: role.
1: Mm-hmm. And my girl the same way. Um, it was just, we did, and my grandfather was a police officer. There. he was in my PD so and it's funny because when I went to the academy and I was telling my grandma because I went from like being the boss at a huge agency to being his peon during the academy where it was like getting a haze and I'm 34 years old and I'm calling my grandma I'm like, grandma I hate this what did I do wrong and she's like suck it up you'll be fine it'll be okay but then saying like I don't remember grandpa having like iron his uniform every night like I don't she was like, I think his, his academy was like two weeks, but he was like in the seventies. So totally different. I don't think they had bulletproof vests then, but she's like, I just, she he didn't even really tell her what was going on. He was just like, this is what I need. She like ironed his, his like underwear. Like his socks, everything. They were. <laughs> yeah. But she maintained the house. She had four kids. They need to be fed and gone to school and all that other stuff. And he didn't worry about that. Um, But he gave her the respect that she deserved. So she was still his queen and, like, the CEO of the household. But he didn't really know what was going on 100% of the time. She was just like, yeah, yeah, be here at 5 o'clock. And he was there. Um, And my mom was the same way. And it it was never a sign of weakness that she, like, took care of the household because she still worked full time. Um, And she instilled in my sister and I that, like, no matter what happens, you got this. Yeah. And there, and I was I was like, Mom, you didn't, like, say anything. We never had a talk that I don't remember. And she was like, no, because you're my daughter. You have to remember where you came from. And no matter what it is you do, if it doesn't work out, we'll figure it out. And that was her, like, thing was just like, okay, we'll figure it out. No one panicked. Something didn't work out. We'll figure it out. And we always did. So when I said to her at 34, Mom, I'm going to change careers, she kind <laughs> of, like, looked at me like, huh? and then then she was like okay let's do this (laughs) and then my first day I came home and I was crying in the phone like did I make the wrong she's like no today sucks you'll be fine I mean I was but like when you think about having kids and like you have a daughter and you worry about like am I doing the right things am I saying the right things like and like we talk about it and like well how do I make sure I do what my mom did because life is so much different now. And our world and what they face is, as a female is so different and even, I don't know, like not getting into political things at all, like just the view of the female, those typical traditional roles for some people are like, well, no, because that's like holding you back. It's not, I can do both.
0: I agree. I agree, I think that it's hard Because, and I feel like I'm in, my little one's 11 months old. So I'm in this new mom position of figuring it out, working, juggling. Obviously, I plan to have another one or two kids. And it's like, well, is it enough to be mom? Just mom. Just mom. Which is a full-time job in itself. Yeah. So it's a really interesting spot because it's like, now we've been... I don't know if we've been brainwashed or, you know, taught that we need to do more, that hustle grind, like that's, that means you made it. And it's like, but is it like, what are, what would fulfill you being exhausted all the time? Because I think that sounds terrible. Like, or, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a really interesting thing with what's happening on social media and basically everything that the, the world, the, you know, this that we have, that we're in, that's selling us and telling us what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And going back to your point of just being a mom or a wife, all the home things, preparing meals, this, that, like, not only are you doing those things, but you're a planner, you're an accountant, you're the other day, my, I had to literally, I popped my husband's, he had staples in his head. So I'm taking the staples out like yeah I'm like doing all the things and I don't mind but I think like with everything that's happening it really makes you think and wonder and question yourself and you're like but but I never would like why if I don't question myself in any other aspect then why allow what's happening outside to get inside
1: right and I think I agree totally and like being a female in a very male-dominated professional world, um, I was the only female in my apartment for a while. Wow. So it was like, yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, getting used to like, like, well, the guys getting used to me being there and being like, like stupid guy things, like cursing in front of me, farting in front of me. I'm like, guys, I have a brother who like pretends to like pull the pin on a grenade and throw it when he farts. So like when you guys do it, Not affected at all. Um, But, like, getting used to that stuff. And then even now, like, I'm sitting down with our town board now to try to get us a maternity leave. I don't have one. It's crazy. So, like, I can't even have a baby till we have this settled. Because then I would have to use all my sick time, all my vacation time, all my personal leave. What if I get sick? What if the baby's sick? Like, and sitting down with the town board is, like... Blows my mind. I'm like, okay, so you guys know there are like federal regulations about breastfeeding, right? And my uniform and and where I put my breast milk. And they're looking at me like, no idea. Really like, they, no, blank stares Yes. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> like, you really never thought about this? It's 2021. What are we doing? Yeah. So it's like little things like that where you, you're okay being in the man's world. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, this is like, and then actually one of the guys had said to me, well, on my department, when I initially proposed for a new contract, getting a leave for men and women, um, well, having a baby is your choice. Oh, really? Can my husband have it? Cause it's not really my choice. Like if yeah, I'd give the pain to him any day, like there's no, no it's not a choice like no but the fact that someone in 2021 a guy younger than me who said that i was like and he his wife had twins recently and she went early and, and, and like he had to like beg bar with steel to get time off and i'm like wouldn't it have been nice to just have two weeks mm. that you could use wouldn't your wife have appreciated that um, so it's, it's literally still an uphill battle as a female, no matter what. And it's always something that's underlying. Um, but being the trailblazer and being the one to be like opening my mouth and I don't care who gets pissed at me, quite honestly, as long as I get what I need, you can all be mad. I don't care. But your wives will all be thanking me when you guys get two weeks off. Plus you still have your vacation time.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't have to worry about it.
0: Totally. It's, um, I mean, I had my little one in April, so we're coming up on a year, but it was at kind of the beginning of the height of COVID. So when they said like, your partner can't be in the room and you know, all that time, like my husband was in the room and it was fine, but it was a very unknown, crazy time and everything was fine. Cause it always is fine. But I will say like, COVID was a, for us, it was a huge blessing because he was able to be around and his work was, right. you know, flexible and because of COVID. And I think that only when people go through it, do they really understand, or if they really think about it. And men typically don't have to think about it because mm-hmm. they're not the one pushing out of their vagina or, you know, whatever, their stomach. have really cut open yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it is yeah, good. And nice. I think that you'll... Once you get it squared away, I'm sure you will feel so much better. And they will too. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. They will. And their husband, their wives, whatever, they'll all thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because since I started, we were out of contract for a while. So when I had initially brought it up, since that point there has been eight guys who've had babies. One of them had two. Like you would have had a month off like two weeks for each kid. Um, and I have uh, friends who are pregnant now who are also police officers, um, and they, their departments, the bigger departments, give them time off. So they get six or eight weeks, depending on type of delivery. Um, but then they still have to use their vacation and sick time after that, which I think is insane because six weeks or eight weeks is not enough for a mom to be home with their kid, especially their first kid, like, adjusting to life. And then think about, like, you go to work, and then, like, do you stay on light duty behind a desk? Because, like, you're breastfeeding and you're leaking, and are you going to go to a call and be like, oh, like, I'm leaking, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the kind of stuff that we think about, and even, like, her husband is like, I never even thought about that. And she's like, I know you didn't, but, like, at some point, I go back to work. (laughs) So, um, and it's also hard for Like, for us, for I work days, he works nights, and, like, my mom will retire at some point when we have kids, but that's going to be a thing. (laughs) Like, he's going to go back to work. And for the most part, guys don't get paternity leave. They get, like, one set off, which is, like, a week. Mm -hmm. And then they're supposed to go back unless they use time. Um, So it's going to be a challenge. It's crazy. And, again, that that brings it back to, like, People who view police officers as human or not, like, I'm still a woman. I'm still going to have a baby. I'm still yeah. going to have the same issues that the accountant has. But no one sees us as that, and I put my uniform on. and.
0: Well, are you, you kidding know, me? It's the, it's just... scarier issues. It's not the same. It's much more frightening, life-altering issues that you face. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's interesting because the, um, the groups that I did with the children of first responders, Um. The really little kids, like I had five-year-olds, six-year-olds, in my first group. It was just a ton of fun, um, and I think their parents got more out of it than they did, because I created a um, a treasure hunt. Um, so I asked the kids to go find things because I knew the parents would be there. That were that was more like thought provoking for the parents. Like I asked um, to get, for them to get something that protects something else, and they went not like got a picture of dad. So, for them to like think about that. Um, but the older kids' groups, like their dads and moms, were responding to the riots. Mm. They live in states where their dads are border patrol and military, and they're petrified that their teachers will find out because their teachers openly hate cops. Like, that's a kid. It's crazy. A kid has nothing to do with anything else. And that's like the, the piece of being human. And then it was funny because um i asked them do you tell your parents about the worries you have about them and they said and one kid said no but my mom always knows she had some sort of superpower i was like yes yep she does (laughs) she knows everything all the time and he was like and some other kid was like yeah my mom knows but i'm scared anyway like she always knows it's true it was just interesting like poor kids who have nothing to do with anything are getting bullied
0: at school well this uh, I think I was telling you before this uh, girl who I had on before she her and her husband have a little one who and then her sister I think married a black officer so her niece is a mixed race like so she said that because they live in California they're doing um, the curriculum is gonna be different for kids and it's exactly what you're talking about. And she said that it's a big issue, and they're considering moving because if the daughters are in the same classroom in school together, they'll be learning different things because the one is white and the other one is mixed. And it's crazy. It actually like gives me goosebumps because it's like it's so insane. Like it's mind boggling that teachers are.
1: What do you... What do you do if? you have a mom and a dad who are both police officers and one's white and one's black. It's crazy. Then what, where do we fall then?
0: It's scary, it's absolutely petrifying because exactly what you're saying, teachers have somehow assumed this role where they are teaching all these things where all that they're supposed to be teaching is how to learn, not the, like, who's good, who's bad. Like, no, it's not, this is all opinion
1: my friends and I have talked about this, I'm like, I don't ever remember growing up knowing my teacher's political affiliation at all. And whatever your political affiliation is, or your views, or whatever, everyone's entitled to them. But it like, for a kid to go to school and be afraid, because their dad is someone who, or their mom, goes to work every day to protect whoever it is, and this was part of the conversation I had with um, my friend at the gym, I was like, I get a call about a baby choking, I don't know the baby's name, the baby's parents, the baby's race. I don't care what it is, and I don't care what's in that house, I don't care what I'm walking into, my objective is to save that baby, and if I'm going into someone who's in cardiac arrest, and they're 79 years old, I don't care who that is, I'm going, and whatever risk or danger My life isn't going into that. I'm still going in. It's irrelevant to me who you are as a person or who you are politically, religiously, sexually. I don't care. My job is to save you, to do what I can to do my best. And nobody calls the cops because they're having a great day. Right. Like no one calls and they're like, hey, wanna come over? It's because we're getting to you on your worst day in your worst moment. And I 100% do not um, condone cops who are nasty, who don't, who are biased, who do things that are inappropriate. But like you said before, you can't take one bad apple and like generalize it, because there are teachers who have molested children. Do we say that all teachers Priest, are bad? All no. of it. Exactly. I don't not go to church. My religion doesn't change. Do I question it? A hundred percent. And you should. You should absolutely question things, but. I think when we stop listening to each other as people and as human beings is when we get lost yeah because i've had i had conversations with the girl i went to grad school with we sat at lincoln center I mean, graduated from social work school we we're supposed to advocate for everybody and she posted something um on instagram about the capital riots and all these other things about how like i think it was the um if they were black, they would have, they would have all been shot or something. So I said, I just want to pick your brain about this because I knew we could have like an open discussion about it. Which is
0: rare, so good for off. you.
1: Yeah, and I, and I, she could have said no, but I'm like, you know what, I just, I just want to understand. She knows I'm a police officer. Um, she doesn't know that my significant other is a black male police officer. So she doesn't know where I come from in that aspect. Um, Her wife is Colombian, but she looks no more ethnic than I do. Um, And she's like, yeah, well, she gets pulled over more than I do. And I'm like, what? She's like, there's a stop sign in our neighborhood, and she gets pulled. I'm like, well, does she run the stop sign? Yeah. Sometimes. I said, okay, so let's, for playing devil's advocate, your neighbors could have called the police and said, everyone, my kid almost got run over, everyone runs a stop sign. So now our department is saying special detail, go sit at the stop sign and write tickets from two to four, whatever the time is that this happens. (laughs) So your wife happens to come home at three o'clock in the afternoon every day and run that stop sign every day. I mean, I'm doing my job. So she did right below, correct? She stopped at the stop stop sign. Sign didn't stop. (laughs) Right. And she's like, well, and yeah, so, so so she might have an attitude too. And I was like, okay. I said, I'm going to, I can only speak for me. If I'm pulling you over, You're apologetic, I didn't know, I wasn't paying attention, whatever. Or I pull you over the first time and I'm like, hey, just be careful, we're out here, kids almost got run over, have a nice day. But if you're a jerk when you're in the wrong, I I don't know what you want me to do with that. And if it's a second time i pulled you over after the morning and then you're a jerk, all right, uh, that, that is what it is. And she just looked at me and she was like, I've never thought about it that way, and I was like, "That's why I want to have this conversation because I wanted you to see that like I don't." And then it's like, "Well, not you, not not use a cop." Well, how many not me's are there? Yeah, and that's like the message that when I have conversations with people about this is just, "Well, how many not me's are there?" Mm-hmm. Right. So like, you have my PBA card in your wallet, but you're posting craziness about police stuff. It's crazy. But when you need me, you're gonna call me right? Well yeah, because not you. It's like and that's where I get frustrated and I'm like, I can't do this.
0: Well, and I think that on that note, it's so frustrating because they're they that they, them, them people, they're saying, well, you're being racist. you 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 you, but they're doing the exact same thing, but they're just doing it with things that they can physically see well, he's black, you're white, he's Asian, you're white. And it's like, actually, right. I'm Jewish and I'm Native American, two things that have been mass slaughtered. So is that not, that's not that because I look white, like that right. doesn't account? Okay. No. Like, so it is an interesting thing because it's not like, and I was talking with someone about this and they're like, well, do you tell people that? No, I shouldn't have to tell people because they're doing the exact same thing that they're telling us not to do, not to do. And we're not doing it. I think that it's, it's like such a, I think that it's media and it's misinformation and it's bad. And I think that that goes to the defunding the police and all that stuff, which I heard this analogy and I think. you correct me if I'm wrong, or give me a little more insight on it, which is basically when a school is underperforming, a kid's school, you know, the grades are dropping, they're, you know, falling out of line, they're doing this and that, you're not gonna pull from them, you're gonna give them more money, you're gonna try to bring better teachers and create a stricter, you know, regimen or curriculum or whatever it is. And I feel like it's very similar with law enforcement. Like, I don't know what was defunded or, you know, whatever. Maybe it was just said because then it makes people happy or, you know, they won or whatever mm-hmm. crap, but it's the exact opposite of what needs to happen. Like there needs to be more funding and more needs to go into it so that they can be trained properly. And you know, these things will, won't happen. Well,
1: and I think that <laughs> I agree totally. Um, I think too, that there's a total misunderstanding, Like, I take nothing away from the fact that police officers at times do things that are, like there are bad apples. There are people who do things they should not be doing. There are incidents that happen as a result of poor training. There are incidents that happen because a person is just a bad person, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I think that that's true in any profession. Our profession though, takes people's lives into their hands, minute by minute. We are responsible for people's lives. We have the ability to mm-hmm. save them, not save them, whatever. Um, and our, our roles are more critical than any other profession, I think, other than other first responders, but ours are looked at more critically. Um, I do think that there is no such thing as too much training. I think that we should be assessed and reassessed more frequently than we are. I think that mental health wise too. So think about over, so you, we get a psych evaluation prior to getting on um, to make sure you're seen when, when you're getting on the job. So no one hires you if you're, you, know, you have something going on. Um, but the average person experiences maybe one traumatic event in their entire lives. And they will be messed up from that traumatic event for the remainder of their lives. So if it happens when they're 12, they suffer for the rest of their lives. And it doesn't even have to be anything like a shooting or seeing a baby die or having a baby die in your arms that you were trying to rescue or not getting to someone in time, pulling dead bodies out of a car. And those things happen repeatedly. So think about anyone in your family now in the role of police officer that now has to repeatedly deal with critical traumatic incidents. I think that we should be reassessed and not necessarily to say, okay, he's gotta go, but to say, okay, you know what? You're suffering a little right now. Let's get you what you need to make sure you stay the best officer that you can be. And because no one with mental health issues in any profession is broken. People suffer, especially with COVID, being isolated, not having socialization. We're social animals as humans. Different life situations bring on different mental and emotional struggles. But I do think that we should be trained more and we should be evaluated more. Um, And the vast majority of police officers and first responders are good people. There are some that are going through whatever they're going through that maybe just need that little extra Mm help which is why with wellness for warriors that's what we do is that if you need someone to talk to confidentially and you're like i don't know what to do that's what we're here for
0: Mm -hmm. it's awesome
1: so we're trying to fill that need but i don't know at this point i kind of sometimes feel like it's a losing battle because i can be the best person i can be but someone looks at me and they're like, you, you're in a blue
0: uniform. You're terrible. Well, it's the only and profession that before you show up, they already hate you. Like, mm-hmm. firemen have this, you know, heroic, you know, save people, right. but cop, they just, you just don't. And it's <clears throat> it's tough. And I don't think ex- every exactly what we started with, you're just not humanized, which is, I think, why it makes it so tough, because you're just this... Bad person that shows up, and they it's 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 ridiculous because they're just generalizing or stereotyping, or you know, however you want to word it, doing exactly what they're telling everyone not to do.
1: Right, and I don't think like obviously I can only speak for myself because even my best friend who's a police officer on any given day, I don't know what they're going through. Right. So they're not totally honest. My coworkers, I don't know for sure, but I can for myself a hundred percent certain say that in any given situation, my only objective is to get that person what they need to make sure everybody's safe and to make sure that we all go home at the end of the night safely, happy and like maybe not happy because some nights we're not going to go unhappy from work, but that that person I responded to when I leave feels like, okay, I got what I needed. Mm-hmm. She came and made the situation better, even if it was only a tiny bit, because again, I'm responding to you on your worst day. I can respond and be pissed off because I was eating my lunch when the call came in, or I can say, all right, well, this person, like we have this one elderly couple that calls all the time because he falls out of bed, I swear. And the wife, after like the fourth call I went to in the middle of the night, was like, oh my God, it's you, thank God it's you. And I don't do much but pick him up, right? But the fact that like she sees a a comforting face when someone shows up in the middle of the night, that's what (laughs) means something to me. That's what, and yes, like the guts and glory, big things that happen, yes, those are important too, but it's establishing those relationships with people Mm-hmm. So that if they need anything, if a kid needs something, they're not afraid to stop me in the street and say, hey, I don't care if it's, can you help me tie my shoe? Absolutely. Like, whatever it is. And I can only make my tiny bit of effort and affect my little bit that I see every day. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I would never condone excessive violence. I would never condone things that are absolutely wrong. Um, but there is a piece of like split second decisions that the public doesn't get to see either.
0: Well, and it's like, it goes back to training when people are just there to, to be there from nine to five or whatever their hours are. Like if you're continuously, you know, target practicing, doing this, doing that, your quick instinct or your reflexes for that matter, your second nature is gonna be better than someone who, you know, it's, they haven't gotten to the gun range or, you know, they haven't gotten there two times in, in the year or whatever it is. Someone who just, you know, is a slacker essentially. Of course it's gonna be. goes
1: right. the motions.
0: Yeah, and it's not gonna be pretty and it's not gonna end well. And I think that being, being someone who's very hands-on I can only imagine how frightening it is to be in a situation where you're overweight, you are holding, you know, the gun, the vest, this, that, all these things that add more weight and you're already outweighed because of your overweight and all these things you're carrying. And then you're in some sort of tangle with someone and you don't know what you're doing. Like, of course, accidents are going to happen. And of course, and it's really scary when like, even on my side, like, and I'm, I'm comfortable. I would have no problem getting in a fight with someone if I needed to. Like, I'd be fine. I'm not worried about it. And I think that, like, it actually something happened uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. <clears throat> walking with my stroller with my kid. I'm walking on <clears throat> 72nd and, like, coming west. Crazy man. Crazy. Like, you would tell he's out of his mind because there's all these homeless people who are high out of their minds he's going like this with his hand and he goes like this to my little one <sighs> two and i it took everything that i had to not whip out my mace and shoot him <laughs> because it's like i'm sure he's high and he doesn't know what's going on but also as a mom
1: like yeah
0: she doesn't even know what's going like that's crazy like that's but crazy that's-
1: and that but that's the truth like as a female in general right so you're taught as you girl growing up like guys what's it you on the street you just keep walking this happens to you you just keep going if you're confronted maybe you and i'd be like what right before being a cop having nothing to do with that like there's a certain personality of woman and i've heard this multiple occasions and it, it kind of like ruffles my fathers a bit um Women in the CrossFit world, women in the weightlifting world, women in policing. <laughs> well, you don't know what it's like to be a woman in this field. No, no. You set the tone when you walk into a room, when you start a conversation, you set the tone. And if that conversation, I don't care if you're a librarian, a police officer, firefighter, whatever it is. A man, a woman, whoever it is, bring, starts bringing that conversation somewhere where that you're not comfortable you stopped it. Yeah. Like that's it. You end it. It has nothing to do with what world you're living in or what your profession is. You as a female set that tone. There are my friends who like get hit on, get inappropriate text messages, DMs. And I'm like, apparently I don't send that vibe out because I just don't, I, I don't permit it. Yeah. It'll Period. never get to that
0: point. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. And it's, I think that, being in this city in such a wild time, mind you, there's all sorts of people all over. Like there's cops sitting right at that train station at seven, uh, yeah, seventy second Street, like on Broadway. Like there's there's on both sides, like they're just sitting there, and it'd be easy to create a foster, you know. And it's like, okay, if he actually comes close, fine, but it's it's scary, and it. I think that it's hard for people, whoever, if I think that if they're not in different situations to quickly run through the scenarios. Okay. If this happens and this happens, or this happens and this happens rather than just reacting and then it turning into a mess because it's easy yeah, to just and react.
1: I, and I don't think like, I can't do There was anything like growing up that happened to me where I had to be Physically, you know, whatever, or even got into a fight outside of like martial arts, but again, like coming up with like what you were grown up with and what you were brought up like, no one's taking advantage of you. That's what it is. So you shouldn't question yourself, your instincts, or how you handle yourself. You have a conversation, the guy's flirty, you're flirty back, fine, but there's a line, and you set that line. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with where you are, who you're with, the profession you're in. It's you as a human and as a woman and I think more so for women obviously because we're smaller we're not as strong you have to set that up and when you walk in a room carry yourself in a certain way you don't have to be um, like overtly aggressive or abrasive but to just be confident in yourself Mm -hmm. no matter where you go and no matter what situation you're in like command the respect of the room don't look in there shy and timid and making people think like they can talk to you however they feel. Mm -hmm. That's your job. And as an adult too, like yeah, stand your ground.
0: And when you're, you know, you're in charge of someone, you're responsible for someone else. That's when it gets scary, which is why I always recommend fitness and self-defense and all these other things that women can do to help. If you are the shy type, that's fine. But there are, it's, It's not what you say, it's how you present yourself. So even if you're shy, there's vibes that you give off. So I think that it's so important for women to be strong, even if they're not actually strong, just...
1: Yeah, presence-wise. Yeah.
0: Mm Very true. Anything else you want to share? Not that I can think of.
1: Um, but I do really want to get the, um, for Warriors message out there because not only for first responders, but their spouses. So wives of first responders, since we're in the very like female empowered podcast, um, we are actually going to be starting a probably bi-weekly group for the, um, spouses of first responders, um, so that you guys can talk about, we can talk about, um, any sort of issues, anything you're worried about, and to be honest, like, children of first responders, spouses of first responders, you can't talk to civilians about the things you worry about, because first off, you don't know how everyone feels about first responders, Um, and secondly, you can't relate to your husband or wife leaving the house at night and you worrying that they won't come home, Mm -hmm. so it's a safe space to talk about whatever you're worried about, and being the spouse of a first responder comes with its own um, set of dynamic issues and communication issues. So we provide a ton of support for that as well.
0: Awesome. And you guys are doing in-person, virtual, if someone, this is local to New York, what's? (laughs) So
1: um, we have peer supporters and spouse supporters across the country. So if you happen to be in an area where one of our our, um, peer supporters is, then they're totally open to like grabbing coffee, meeting up. I have actually brought first responders to like therapy appointments because they've been afraid to go. Um, So if you're local to me or anyone else on our team, in person is fine. But we do do most of our stuff virtually just because COVID, work schedules, (laughs) it's easier to like hop onto a Zoom call um, or, or a regular phone call and just talk to everybody.
0: Nice. So the message, be better. Do better.
1: Yeah. Always,
0: wait. Definitely. Um, okay, so I'll probably cut it around there. Um, but seriously, so nice to talk to you. I am you so too. grateful that he connected us. Um, I will include all the links, and I'll push it out in a few weeks. I'll do it on my okay. stories, and then on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then on Saturday morning, I'll push it out on YouTube. Um, awesome. And if I can help with anything or anything at all, I'm local. So let me know what's up and it's, I'm awesome.
1: We are going to try to do an event in the summer. Um, I'm not sure what yet and trying to figure out like obviously venue capacity, all the nonsense COVID stuff. Um, but if we, because my partner Megan owns a yoga studio in the city Mm -hmm. and then she has another one in Boston. Her and her family are currently in Boston, but they do also have an apartment in the city. Um, so I'm hoping to try to get her here, <laughs> so we can do one in the city um, when the kids are out of school. <clears throat> but she has she actually she was on the 42nd floor of Tower Two, nine eleven. Yikes! She was in HR. She that was like the day that she was like, I saw all the first responders running towards what I was running away from, and I was like. I'm done with this HR nonsense and I just want to help. Um, she was also at the Boston Marathon bombing. She was a block away from where they ran. And then when her twins, her twins are seven, when they were six months old, there was a fire two doors down. And when the, the two firefighters that took them, rescued them out of the house, died in the fire. So it's like trauma, yes. after trauma, after trauma. And yeah. So she is... It's funny because the guy that we work with from Project Sapient called her Rainbow Bright. And I don't know if you remember, but there was a woman soldier uh, with G.I. Joe. I didn't know that. Her name was Lady J. uh, And and they called her Rainbow Bright and me Lady J. I'm like, what is it? They're like, she's like rainbows and unicorns. And you're just like, suck it up, let's go. And I'm like, that's not true all the time.
0: (laughs) You're like, just sometimes. Sometimes.
1: Just, you know, someone needs it.
0: That's nuts. That's...
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that when, like, stuff like that, I'm sure she's not just touting it around, but, like, she's a normal, she's experienced all this trauma, and, like, I don't know, it's it's just such a sad time, like. Yeah. It's horrible.
1: And it's honestly, like, it was heartbreaking in my kids' group to listen to these kids who were, like, petrified. They're like, do you get hurt at work? What happens if you get hurt at work? I'm like, oh my God, these are just things that go through their brain that they're not talking to their mom or dad about because they don't want to worry them anymore.
0: Well, and I think when you see kids at that age, you realize that they're so innocent and not tainted. And that's why it's so scary because teachers are the ones that are putting this nonsense into their heads. Like, Yeah. And And that little girl- At that young, they're creating a division.
1: She's 16. She's in New Mexico. Her dad's border patrol and military- She had one teacher that she got her mom to switch her out of because she was, like, paranoid with someone would know. A second teacher, same thing, like, advocates BLM, which I said, I was like, that's fine. I totally support BLM. But she's like, no. She literally said she hates cops.
0: Which you saw that that leader just bought all these different houses. And it's like, can you not see that this is just a marketing scheme?
1: That's what's crazy to me. And I'm like, wow,
0: It's crazy. Like wake up like get out of their narrative like
1: and like the resilience of these kids though so the oldest kids group was 13 to 17 year olds i had them each pick a quote or a music lyric that spoke to them and all of them were about resilience being the light being like the positive outlook on things no matter what's going on always looking up and it was like holy shit! you know what your parents deal with every day you're afraid to go to school, and yet your outlook is still, still be positive. So, and that's, I was like, that speaks so much to how their parents are raising them despite what's going yeah.
0: on. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't, uh, well, if you know anyone else who might want to be on and share, I'm totally, Yeah. whatever, like, or maybe, uh, I don't know, I'm open because I just feel like it needs, I get that shit happens i get that there's a bad cop i get that but Mm -hmm. no one's sharing this side no one like everyone it's all the bad news no one's talking about the real people but seriously thank you again it was so nice to meet you and um